Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. So hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from a studio where we have never a talked studio. to you from before and probably never will again because right. we are in Cuba. Just being here is a thrill. Land of that we have never been able to visit before and we have taken the initiative to head to Cuba. The but. thrill of the forbidden. I still remember when I was in junior high and I took Spanish in seventh grade and my teacher was a refugee from the Batista regime having recently really, fled teacher. Cuba and this was the first job he could find teaching us Spanish. Unfortunately, he hadn't yet learned English very well and it was a less than successful <laughs> experience. But um, that's my earliest memory of, of this this. Well, country yeah, and this of course country. we all remember the Bay of Pigs and the the in, ill-fated invasion of Cuba by the United States government that Kennedy sponsored. But but of course that's uh, many many years ago, and our younger listeners may not remember those things. No, it was just but always a Cuba has always zone. been off ninety miles off the shore, and it seems like all we get is refugees from there, and we don't really know what goes on in Cuba. And in terms of us visiting, it could have been on the other side of the moon. It was the forbidden zone. Right, and many other countries have had visitors and tourists here for years, but only very recently have a large number of Americans been able to tour. And even we can't tour in just the pure touristic sense. And that's because of our government, not because of them. Correct. Uh, we did have a friend who snuck in here many moons ago <laughs> via Canada, which was a way you could come. Canadians have been coming here all along. But a problem that he had, and is still a problem to a degree, is that you cannot spend money here. He couldn't spend money here at all. And we have to bring cash because our banks are not yet tied up with anything over here in terms of cashing money. We did see an ATM machine, but we're not yes, allowed to use it because our bank card wouldn't process it. So for the first time in a long time, we are waddling around with, <laughs> with bills stuffed in our pockets. And it, it gives me an uneasy feeling because that's not how we're used to traveling. But because we, we are on a tour, there really is very little that we have to because pay it's for. Because it's all prepaid. Um, so it's a, it's a false worry, I guess. Right. Um, but more and more Americans are coming here because they have re reduced the restrictions. Now, we can't just go and sit on the beach or go to a big, nice hotel and enjoy the water sports and suntanning and things. That's against our government policy. You have to go in what's called a people-to-people -people exchange. And ours happens to have a cultural focus, which is why we picked it. And so we're going to be meeting a lot of artists and dancers and ceramicists and musicians. Which we like. And getting to talk to Cuban people. And that's something that's hard to do on your own. And first of all, I want to say I've been amazed how many Cuban people speak excellent English, at least right. the ones that we've come in contact no, with. I didn't, with the tourists. I didn't expect that. 
but they do have a lot of the high-rise tourist hotels, but those are off-limits to Americans. Kind of like the kind of resorts you might go to in the Dominican Republic. And they're nice beaches, and I think a lot of people from Europe and from maybe Argentina and, and the South come here for the winter vacation, just as you would to any other Caribbean island, but this has never been an option for us Americans. And just now, cruise ships are coming here, and we are allowed to come on a more free basis as long as we follow the restrictions that we just mentioned. When we booked this tour, we were to be on a charter airliner, but in the time interim between when we booked and when we've come, we flew here on a regularly scheduled flight on American Airlines. Right. And in Miami at the airport, I was amazed to see a whole separate terminal almost for Cuba <laughs> for Amer American Airlines had a whole separate check-in area just for the flights coming to Cuba. There must be a lot of them. And our flight was totally full, and except for those of us with gray hair who had American <laughs> passports, just about everybody else on the plane had a passport that looked like ours, but when I read the writing on it, because this, the coloring was the same, they were all Cuban nationals. Which is a big surprise. They come to the U.S. to see family members who have fled over the years, and to go shopping. <laughs> and go shopping. so, it's an understatement. <laughs> we saw a huge parade of 4K gargantuan TVs. 65 inch 4K TV being checked in at the check in. Ken had lust in his heart as I know, they I went don't by. Even, I don't have that. And of course, there's no 4K TV here in, in Cuba. And lots of bundles that were all wrapped in blue plastic. You didn't know exactly what was in them, but it was stuff to give to people or maybe stuff for a private store. You, you couldn't tell. Yes. So there was a lot of stuff. And they said we were worried about them weighing our luggage or whatever. And they said, well, unless you have these big blue satchels or big TVs, they're not going to be messing around with having to, to look at what we were going to bring in. <laughs> so, And that's exactly the way it turned out. There was a little more bureaucracy involved than we are used yes, to. Indeed. We spent the night before filling out some forms. Uh, you need a visa to come to Cuba, but you kind of do it on the spot. So you have the form all filled out, and you hand it in with your passport when you check in. And and they are also very vigilant about keeping diseases out of their country. Uh, they've managed to escape the Zika crisis that has oh, plagued yeah. many countries south of they us. They do have mosquitoes, but not the... Chikungunya. Right. They've been able to keep down the malaria. So they make you fill out a health form, which is <laughs> cursorily examined by a nurse wearing a white oh. hat and black fishnet stockings. <laughs> this seems to be the nursey so, uniform yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You go through customs and then stand in line again at the airport uh, on arrival for a nurse who takes your form, which says that you don't cough and you haven't had any diseases that, that would be bad before you get your luggage. We went through another security check where you put your bags through the the security machine the and you have machine. to walk through the the tunnel to get yourself checked on the way in, which is also a very unusual situation for us. But we, as well as all 19 others of our travel companions, made it through without any hitch. I didn't see really anybody getting any having any No, problem. it was all kind of cursory, I would say. So can you come to Cuba on your own? It would be difficult, and you'd have to have one of these special visas that uh, and government U.S. government approval in order to <laughs> participate. Uh, so that's interesting. Because it's kind of a transitional time, there are a lot of dual systems 
items. For example, the money. Uh, local people get a peso, which has the rate of 24 to the dollar, but then the government also prints tourist pesos that you exchange one for one. Well, and, well not quite. And when you go to um, a touristy place or a tourist restaurant, the only money that is accepted there is well tourist pesos. Well, there are stores that accept the kooks, which are, <laughs> that's K-O-O-K-S, that, with, that are, no? It's C-U-K-S. I know, but, but, the, way, but the way it's pronounced. <laughs> it, well, what is it really? Cuban pesos. Right, but it's pronounced kooks, which kooks. is K-O-O-K-S. So they have these uh, these two currencies, and some stores accept one, and some stores accept the other. And we don't get any local pesos. <laughs> and if you exchange one for one in U.S. dollars, the government is kind of a... Tax. Well, as a... Well, Service charge. <laughs> Only on U.S. currency. They charge you an extra 10% surcharge. So we actually only get 90 cents worth of worth of kooks rather than the official rate of one-to-one. So that's, <laughs> they're kind of one-upping us. And they also have a dual system when it comes to restaurants. Apparently for many years now, the government has owned and sponsored restaurants. And lately, uh, families have been able to start little mini restaurants mm. out of their homes. Um, initially, the person who sold the meal had to be the cook and the owner of the home. This has been expanded, so we are going to tourist restaurants that might be able to seat as many as 50 people. But the public government-owned restaurants are still there. We might try one out. We haven't yet. Um, And there are also also two sets of stores. The government-sponsored stores are considerably better than what we we remember seeing in the Soviet Union before it fell. Well, but many reminders of the Soviet Union. But they're air-conditioned. The lights work. you can tell the, are, the you shelves can, are bare. You can tell it's a store from the outside because right. it has shop windows. But, but shop- probably what's in the window is plastic flowers because they don't have enough stuff to put in the store windows or put on mannequins. And the supply is very limited. We went to what I would call a medium-sized grocery store, maybe, that had far fewer different big, kinds of items than a 7-Eleven. It was bigger than a 7-Eleven, but they and they had huge stock of some stuff and then other stuff they just didn't have anything and no snack food. And they had a lot of freezer cases that were totally empty. Empty. Only one of them had frozen chicken in it. Now they don't have any connection to the United States so all of the brands and things that we see in the store are all pretty much foreign to us and it appears to me that they do most of their trading with China. Wouldn't you say? As do we. Yeah, but we have Chinese brands, or what do we have? Well, American they, brands that were made in China, I think I guess. they just put a different name on. <sighs> it didn't look the same. No, they're smaller. They yeah, are well, appliances and things like anyway, that. Anyway, so there was no, there is no Coca-Cola. Or a McDonald's. Or McDonald's, or anything that we would recognize in terms of brands or foods or cookies or things that you might expect to see. No Oreos or or that's, that sort of stuff. And the, the stores were kind of bleak. I would say. And there was a guard checking you on the way out? Yeah, but, that was, but he wasn't armed. I mean, it wasn't. No, but we have a lot of that, too. The Costco Walmart where checkers. they check you, the, <laughs> the, 
the items that you bought are on your receipt. But we are about uh, three, only three or four days into our 10-day trip. So we still have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn and a lot to see. And we haven't been to Havana yet. we haven't yet. been to Havana. So we are in a very small town. Well, a town of about 300,000. I think it said it was the third largest town in right. Cuba. Yeah. By the name of Camagüey. Did I get that right? Close that up. Doesn't, doesn't look that way when you pronounce it. And from here, we've done a couple of interesting trips. We went to a farm, and we've been to some artist colony. And and interesting things to us uh, where you can take uh, pictures of real life in Cuba. Any of you that have been to Mexico or Puerto Rico would feel quite familiar here because the colonial Spanish influence is still so strong. And all those years when they didn't have a lot of cash to do stuff, uh, those buildings just stood there. Nobody knocked them down. Uh, some of them were well taken care of. Many of them were not. Right. Uh, when you go around town, you, you see what looks like a really dilapidated building, but when you peer in the windows, there could be somebody having a little private store in there or a little private restaurant or trying to live in there and make a go of it. So it's it's a mix of um, colorful Caribbean kind of architecture and sort of dilapidated architecture. Uh, Our guide, who has been pretty good about explaining things to us, let me see if I get this right. The basic income for somebody, regardless of whether they're a professional or just a field worker, I mean, this is the communist way, was about $25 a month. Or is it a week? No, she said a month. She said a month. Which was hard to believe. Yes, very hard, $25. And she said, well, really, the only thing you have to pay for is your food. And clothes. Well, that's she what said she said. Food. Okay. And the, the point is that the government supplies free health care, free education, transportation is utilities. dirt cheap. Yeah. What was it for your water bill? You pay a <laughs> one peso, <laughs> one penny a month or something like that per person in yeah, your I household. Mean, yeah, ridiculously cheap. Ridiculously cheap. And all the all the basics are taken care of. So any money that you earn is on top of a very meager salary. Um, the salary you earn is very meager, but it's it's everybody has a sustained life. And her point was is that there are no real rich people. But then again, there's nobody who's going hungry, going hungry either, because because the country is very warm. There's plenty of food that that can be grown, and and there is a thriving private market. And I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, it seems to be accommodated by the government. The other thing that our guide said that amazed me was she was talking about what their primary revenue generator for the country is, and tourism is rapidly moving up into first place, but until recently, it was exporting brain power. In particular, uh, all of the professionals that they trained in various medical fields were sent to countries all over the world who are not our friends, and those governments of those countries would pay the wages of the workers and the Cuban doctors would supply free health care to people in Africa and South and America. because they were, were used to very inexpensive lifestyle, they probably could be bought cheaply. But it seems like exporting all of your high power intellectual power just doesn't make sense they to me. They had more than there they was a little needed, bit of, apparently. Yeah, there was a little bit of a question about that, and we'll have to get back to you about the, the details. But being a tourist... 
in Cuba has actually been a more pleasant experience than we expected. I mean, we have been to a lot of third world countries, and you live kind of in a third world sort of way. And our guide, in a smart, guidely sort of way, warned us about all the things that wouldn't be up to snuff and might not go quite right. But so far, that has not been our experience. Our hotel air conditioning works, the lights work. The well, hot, and our hotel is actually very nice. The hot water comes on when you want it to come on. And we even have some TV channels that we can watch in English, like CNN. <laughs> Which you wonder how the heck that works, because we have no relations with the United States, but we get cable TV and we get CNN. I I think they're stealing it, probably. But the thing to point out is that just like in India, where we were observing object poverty almost all the time, much more, well, I don't know if it was much more poverty, but it was much more obvious because there were so many more people. And so very different from us. These yes. people are not so different from us. And the thing that really made it tolerable for us was is that we would go to a nice hotel and we would have a, a respite from the <laughs> the hot, teeming masses. And here, uh, I think we're a little surprised that, one, it isn't that hot, and there are no teeming masses, and the tourist services are quite nice. I mean, when we go to a hotel, there's air conditioning. When we go to dinner, there's air conditioning. When our, we our bus, made in China, made in China. Is, it works fine, has air conditioning. When our guide speaks on the microphone, we can hear her and understand <laughs> her. These are things we don't take for granted, having had experiences in other countries. Yeah, yeah. And so the, if you're thinking of coming to, to Cuba and you are reluctant because it's not the kind of experience that you want to have as a tourist, uh, we, we can recommend it. I'm not sure if you can go and stay in as, as one of our kind of tourists, if you can go and be a Cuban tourist and stay in pensions and hostels and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's available to Americans. I'm thinking it's coming, but not here coming, yet. right. So we have, uh, as we say, a few more days. We are actually doing the bust for the rest of Cuba. Cuba is actually a fairly large country. It only took us an hour to get here from Miami. But didn't she say we're going to drive a 1,000 miles when all of a sudden? Yeah, done? which yeah, is quite a ways. A I mean, obviously Cuba is one of the larger of the Caribbean, Cuban, islands. Caribbean islands. And... We are only doing two-thirds of it. Right. So if you take the 15-day tour, you get to go all the way to Santiago, where Fidel and all the gang started the revolution, and you then drive back to Havana, or vice versa. So we're just starting in Camagui. That didn't last long. <laughs> I had to think about it in a long time. <laughs> Well, that's the way it looks. And so we are going to drive back to Havana, and Havana will be our last stop before we take our American Airlines flight back to Miami and then drive back to good old TGO. We had a hard time leaving TGO oh, because yes. we were leaving our beloved owl <laughs> behind. And did we talk about this last month? We, I must, think we have. must have. We've just had so much fun living in a National Geographic <laughs> documentary, uh, watching our mother owl um, lay an egg in a tree right over our campsite. We don't have, couldn't have a better no, site. right. And watching her sit, 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 with occasional visits from the mister, bringing her something to eat. And that egg hatching one fine day, only one, and watching that baby owl grow and 
lose his downy coat and mom felt that white downy fuzz and feathers coming in and, and the day we left he was jumping up and down on the branch and oh, flapping his wings by the time we get back and so we hope that he will still be there for These us are an to important see. Ten, day, 10 days in the life of our owl and needless to say, this owl has made us have friends we didn't know we had because people are stopping by to take pictures but of But because them. we are there, we get the best pictures. Yes, yeah. oh, oh, boy, have we got some great pictures of owl mothers eating. Hundreds of them. Hundreds, well, of course. I've learned a lot about uh, bird photography, I guess, not only from the people, but from just plain experience. And I'd be glad to share those with you, but most people don't, really don't care. But... Uh, one of the things that uh, one of our fellow bird photographers had, and I have a 170 to 500 millimeter zoom lens for my Canon 70D, and of course it's one of the low power uh, units that's out there shooting the birds. There are several people who have much more sophisticated equipment than I do. But uh, one of the things that uh, some folks had was the flash extent. Even with the big long lens and the bird nest is located at least 50 feet away. And generally the best activity happens at dusk, dusk and it's very frustrating hunt and when you try to photograph their, them and your long lens just can't handle it. Exactly. And I had never really considered using a flash, even though I have a nice flash to go with it, because most flashes after 25 feet, they're... Poop out. Uh, they kind of are or not worth much, but... Some of these photographers were using a flash extender, <laughs> which is actually a very simple device that goes on the front of your flash. And in my case, it just Velcros on, so it works with any good flash. I mean, the more powerful the flash, the better. And it has a Fresnel lens on the front. Like a lighthouse. Like a lighthouse, exactly, right. They talk, they talk about lighthouse Fresnel lenses and and how many orders they are from one to five but this one what it does is that it refocuses the flash's light to a very narrow beam which is what you need when you're using a long lens it you can only use it with a lens which is more than 200 millimeters but the cool thing is is that at 50 60 75 feet it adds a nice little uh, light in the shadows, gives a little nice catch in the eyes. Like a and, fill, a fill flash. and if you're lucky, yeah, but it's more than a fill flash. And if you're lucky, it will even add very cool uh, full full lighting um, so that you can catch these birds when they are most active in the, in the evening. And I think that this is going to be a permanent part of my photography kit. And the cool thing also is, is that it only costs 35 bucks and the other thing we should mention to you bird lovers is <laughs> it doesn't seem to bother the owls at all to have these no. flashes going off in their faces they could care less no and i go out there with my flashlight in the night and check to see what's going on in the nest just to see if mom and dad are there and feeding and that, all that sort of stuff and what kind of little critters they catch some of the things they eat are so <laughs> gross they eat the whole thing and mom caught some kind of a what they a palm rat and she ate it nose to end and some of my pictures all that's left is this giant tail that's hanging out of her mouth. mouth it's about as long as she is tall and she's kind of dangling at that the baby like and then do you want a little more and baby doesn't react and she sucks it down like pasta whole. Yeah. Well, we're not really bird aficionados, so we don't know exactly how birds do their thing, but 
these we've, owls are. We've learned a lot. But of course, they, and I have to think, you know, this baby has never had any water. So all of the fluids that it has drunk or that it has ingested have all been blood. I would guess. And they eat everything. They yeah. eat the claws and the feathers and the bones. and Yeah, and you hear Mary up there once in a while crunching crunch, around. Crunch, crunch, crunch. So this baby has been fed by mom and dad uh, exclusively, and because there is no water, we haven't had virtually any rain, so that couldn't have done any good. But So the, all their liquid comes from... So I don't even want to talk about it. No. <laughs> We've learned a lot. But it's been a fun experience, and of course, if you look on our... Uh, website you'll see just uh, for this episode Ep- this is episode 143 and that takes us to the potluck yes we we were very fortunate to have a number of our listeners share new year's eve with us as you know and this led to the idea of doing something even bigger and better and having a potluck and many no nearly all of the li- people who came to the potluck we're staying in TGO or our owners in TGO, but we even got a couple that came from a few campsites up the road. Uh, we invited everybody who wanted to come. And it was, for, as always, a very strange experience for us and probably for them, too, because nobody knew anybody else <laughs> except everybody thought they knew us really well. And we had met them a little bit, but we didn't really know them very well. Uh, so being retired educators, we gave them a test. Uh, so well, maybe that, I should put that up. So that the, Yeah, you should, to see how, how closely they've been listening to all the wise comments that the we have. The RV Navigate Trivia Contest. Contest. Thank you. And the three top listeners at the potluck all got fabulous prizes. It was a lot of fun and a good mixer, at least from my point of view. I don't know if they like being tested or not. But potlucks are always a favorite well, RV yeah. experience, and um, we had a great time. And we thank everybody who came and the people who helped put it together, because we really didn't do much. No, we didn't. It was amazing. We had about uh, 13 people, and we actually had two late cancellations, so we could have had even more, which would have been a <laughs> more dynamic and exciting situation. And I don't know if this is going to be an annual event, but... Certainly, we would encourage uh, future potlucks because it was a good time, and I think I think, the, they, I think people enjoyed meeting each other too. I think the key is having enough listeners in the same area. <laughs> right, of course, that's always the issue. But we probably won't be back at TGO next year, but the following year maybe. Although so we, we've liked it there very much. Yes, of course. We just have other things to see and do. Exactly. So when we are back from Cuba, we only have two more weeks or so at TGO because we have to hurry home so we can leave again. Life is cruel. Yes. You heard last month about the beginning of the cruise we took on the largest cruise ship in the world, uh, and we took that cruise primarily because the ship was such an amazing experience being on it, but our upcoming cruise was selected for its exotic itinerary, including some spots we have never been to on a considerably smaller so still what would have been considered a giant ship just a few years ago i mean this one only sir only has 2500 passengers you know we started off when we first started cruising with six and seven hundred passengers and now a, a 2500 passenger would have been huge and the 5,400 passengers that the Harmony holds is, is, was unthinkable just 10 years ago. But uh, that means that once again, we are going to be on the road at... The month- beginning of the month. 
<laughs> so for every the, month. So for the third month in a row, and, and, and one after that. And one after that, too. Because this cruise... We're going to be highly stressed getting the <laughs> navigator on. Today, on <laughs> today in particular. But that cruise, uh, we're going for 30 days, and it goes from Singapore to Rome. So we're going to be doing some interesting Southeast Asia stuff, and more India, and Abu Dhabi, and Dubai, Oman, Jordan, Suez Canal. Right. So be prepared, ladies and gentlemen, for another travelogue rather than... uh, A lot of RV stuff. Although we will have some interesting things to talk about RVing also. Like our failing washing machine? Like our failing washing machine, which we're having (laughs) repaired as soon as we return from this trip. We hope. Uh, Yes, we hope. But... How are we going to mount this website, this podcast? Well, right now, after two great days of having wonderful Wi-Fi <laughs> here in Cuba, we have no Wi-Fi at all because the way you get on the web here is you have to buy a little card with a code on it, kind of like you might do in a campground, and you put in the code numbers, and it authorizes you to be on for an hour. Um, but the whole town seems to have run out of little code cards. Well, and so, there is only one internet provider So there, the government. So there is Wi-Fi here, and if Ken was working really hard, he could get this edited tonight and put it on the internet, but we have no more cards. We have no, no more cards. We can't buy any more internet cards. So the government has let us down because they were, were willing to pay for it, but they won't uh, sell it to us. So that's an interesting situation. It's very interesting that the internet was started in Cuba in the summer of 2015 so 18 months ago they didn't have internet and now (laughs) it's kind of an interesting situation because you'll be walking down the street and there will all of a sudden especially in the evening there will all of a sudden be this large clot of people i mean i thought oh my god are they protesting something (laughs) that's what i was thinking too or or what's going on yeah i don't want to go close to that because what's going on and in fact, what it is is people using the Internet because in the public squares, they have set up Internet hotspots. Because nobody has Wi-Fi in their house Nobody yet. has Wi-Fi or, or Internet in their house yet. That means that there are <laughs> these people standing out in the middle of the road, in the middle of the square, doing Internet, on primarily on either their tablet or their phone. I'm surprised if they've only had 18 months' worth of Internet, how much Internet devices there are. And I've been surprised how many of them seem to be using it as a phone. I'm thinking maybe they're talking to relatives back in Miami or... They were using Skype. Or in Havana, since we're not very close to Havana. Uh, To me, my first usage of the web was web pages, but Mm -hmm. I see a lot of talking taking place here communications right yeah. right yeah and not typing right right you know voice communications so that's this will be an interesting experience so that uh, if you don't see this well you won't know it until afterwards but <laughs> if you don't see it we will uh uh, be posting this as we can if we can buy more cards <laughs> and, and that's one of the other interesting things too is is that uh, we've been advised for instance to drink only bottled water 
not because the water is bad, but because it has different bugs in it than our than water. our water does. And we have often questioned, you know, well, where should we buy water to get the best deal? Or actually, they supply water, but if you need to buy water, where do you go to get the best deal? And the answer is doesn't you know, matter. Doesn't matter. Everything's run by the government. There is the price, and that's it. And they said, well, if you need to take it out of your mini bar, no problem. It's the same price as it is downstairs in the lobby, and it's the same thing as it is in the Seven Eleven next door. So that everything is priced the same, and that's the same thing with these Wi-Fi cards. They're all the same price, and uh, wherever you buy them is where is most convenient for you. And I guess that's a government program that is effective, that all the stores charge the same price, all the fuel stations charge the same? Well, it is and it isn't, because I have to think if there was more than one Wi-Fi company, they wouldn't have run out of cards. <laughs> Because competition, and they wouldn't have cards that only last an hour. Competition. I don't know whether the locals have something else, but would make you be more effective and efficient and aggressive and energetic about supplying things. Yeah, because the things. profit motive would be there, and you'd be. Yeah. But today we did go out and into the countryside, into a, a very poor village, and we of course did that in India as well as other places too. And I was impressed with the fact that they all had electricity. They all had some form of running water. And a lot of major appliances, including TVs, in these rather primitive... The guide called it a hut. I would say it was a little better than a hut, but it had a thatched roof. And, and it was <laughs> wooden. Temporary-looking wooden housing that could blow away in a hard storm, but clean and neat. And and they had all this electronic stuff, uh, rice makers and posterizers. <laughs> right. Well, because the government had sponsored programs to put a rice cooker in everybody's house, I guess, and, and they offered it for really cheap. And we drove... We drove past a square in this town where they used to have what looked vaguely like a drive-in movie theater, <laughs> only you sat on concrete benches and they showed you Soviet movies <laughs> on a screen. And it it, was, no, it wasn't a screen, really. It was, it was a, a cement con- wall. Concrete wall, yeah. But, I mean, c- erected for that purpose. And immediately adjacent to it was another seating area on concrete with a concrete pedestal where they used to put <laughs> the, the one TV <laughs> for the town where everybody would come watch. And the guide said at that point they had two channels, so there were many fights about which channel the town was going to watch. <laughs> so they definitely are past that. Even our RV does better than that. <laughs> we have Martha's TV against TV. Can it watch different channels? More choices than you could ever want. Right. Even in our hotel room. But I don't think they get cable. I don't, I don't. They had an antenna, so they get whatever is over the air. Is over the air. Yeah, so. They weren't that lucky, but now they all have TVs. And in in Africa, that was not the case at no, all. No. I mean, they had outdoor plumbing, but that was tolerable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess an it's outhouse a, and an outdoor shower. I guess it's a step up. It's coming along. And compared to India, it was coming along even better. And certainly um, a heavy emphasis on education. It's mandatory until ninth grade, and it's become part of the Cuban ethic that you want to be as well-educated as possible because education makes you have a better future. And this small town only had the early primary grades in its school, but not too far away were other educational opportunities yes. where you could board your child for the week and then they come I home could. on the weekend I think you, that was, it because was, it was too far to travel back and forth. And I think it was taken care of by the government. I right. mean, it, the whole thing was right. not so, really So they option. were making it work. <laughs> we, want, we want to talk about a cool new app we found. 
Well, of course, we found it after millions of other people have already talked about it. My grandnephews have known about it for a year. <laughs> MSQRD, and you it's take face. a picture of yourself, like on an iPad, and then it... It's an, I, it's an iPhone. Or, an or on an iPad. iPhone. And it, what, frames or enhances or decorates your face, and you can be the Grinch who stole Christmas or the Easter Bunny or... You've seen this on TV, but it's it's available for you to download. It's it's a very cool little app. And right now I have a screensaver on my <laughs> iPad instead of the approved RV Navigator uh, screensaver oh, of the, the approved. month. Oh, the approved. Uh, oh, the calendar Which is of the a picture month. of the two of us with our features scrambled, kind of like... Um, well, you, it swaps faces like they do on uh, the off the body, show. yeah, and that's done automatically too. So if you take a, a picture with two faces in it and you, use, you run it through this app, it swaps the faces on the body. So that's also fun. And that's called MSQRD. MSQRD. Like Masquerade. Available from your favorite app, app store. store. So that we've had a lot of fun with that. Interactive TV coverage browser. This is something that is uh, nice to have because this mapping tool will let you browse the TV transmitters in your area and see their coverage maps. Especially when you go to someplace new, you don't know which way to point the antenna, you don't know where the TV stations are, and you don't know how wide a coverage they have. Channel reception is estimated using the same 3D propagation model algorithms that are used throughout the, the site but the results are presented in a more visual and dynamic format. And this is at www.tvfool.com. And I'm planning on using this It's because whenever we travel, I'm always questioning where the TV stations are. And then this shows you, you're the center point, and it shows you all the TV stations, antennas around you, so that you can point your TV antenna to the correct location. Now, what if you're between two strong markets, as we are in Titusville? Well, presumably, the circles will overlap, and you can... So then how do you know which way to point? Depends on which market you want to get. Leave it to you to add technical details to this. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this, is te- this, is, this is a technology-cool app, and you're supposed to just say, wow, that's way cool. <laughs> and you're supposed to say... Wow, that's way cool. Oh, geez. It's done with a lot of enthusiasm. Also found a nice new book, which I think you might want to take a look at. 50 States, 5,000 Ideas. 50 States, 5,000 Ideas. From National Geographic. Right. Um, And they'd have that new National Parks book, which we mentioned a couple months ago. But these are the best travel experiences in every state from the obvious to the unexpected sites include national parks beaches hotels civil war battlefields dude ranches out of the way museums and more we haven't bought this book yet because i think it just came out but it sounds like a great idea as we read facebook and follow threads and things people are always asking what should i do in this place and i think this book will go a long way to helping people to make those decisions and last but not least today eight things that matter more than money for a happy retirement we had a lot of comment um about the show we talked about about saving money for retirement and that makes us think about this topic yet again from a different angle This is a nice list of things that matter more than money for a happy retirement. Number one being 
good health. Yes, and indeed. It, and as we move into yes. our ever golder golden years, uh, there is well, nothing like being in good enough shape to do what you want to do. You need to take good care of yourself. And as we see, the RV navigators are going to be laid up for several months as Martha has a bit of uh, foot surgery so that she will be more mobile. But, you know, if she doesn't have this done, that's going to, or she, even now she's in pain when she walks and things, and so this is going to be uh, a major setback. And so be sure to take good care of your health. Point two, people will come and go in your life, so it's worth your effort to cultivate and maintain relationships. And certainly, uh, we know that many of you RVers kind of plan your travels by going from right. friend to friend to friend, because in our country, people move around all the time. And we don't have a lot of family, so we can't do a lot of that, but that's... Keeping up those relationships is important. You will remember, number three, the remarkable places you visited and events you experienced with others long after you've forgotten the time you spent doing household chores, watching TV, or sitting at the computer, which is why we are in Cuba. It's really easy to fall into a rut and do the same stuff every day, and... I feel like I don't really come alive until I'm somewhere else doing new things. It's very invigorating. And we try to do something exciting or interesting every day, even small things. I mean, going to a new birding place. or <laughs> Did I ever think I'd hear myself say that? No. Well, you broaden your horizons. Right. That's but part of retirement, too. Ex well, broadening horizons, is that one of the things? I don't think so. It feels good to have a reason to get up out of bed every morning. Once you stop working... There are plenty of other ways to find purpose. And boy, I think that's the case. How did we ever find... I can't imagine going well, back and had, working eight hours And people day. say that all the time. Uh, and we used to say, how could they possibly mean that? But there's a lot more to life than working. And I think we are epitome of the, the retired lifestyle. We try to be. Number five, with more information available than ever before, it should be easy to find things to stimulate your curiosity and satisfy your thirst for knowledge. It's so easy to get information even on the road these days. And somebody at dinner last night, even though I didn't have an internet connection, said, well, how many people are there in Cuba? And I went to my app that has all that information in it, and the, um, the CIA information app, and it said 11.5 million, and which is actually not very many for an island this size. That's because a third of them are living in Miami. What was the joke? Oh, South Americans love to visit Miami because it's so close to the United States. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there are a lot of Cubans in Miami, I guess. Find time to enjoy music and art. There's beauty all around, which is easy to overlook and take for granted when you are preoccupied with other things. Colorful flowers and beautiful sunsets are, are there to be enjoyed by everyone, regardless of income. And boy, do I have the pictures of sunsets. And we're enjoying the free birds on our very own campsite. <laughs> Number seven, just as you try not to waste money, be careful not to waste time. Remember that growing older is a privilege that is not afforded to everyone. And Ooh. we are seeing that lesson on a weekly basis as we get emails from home about various neighbors that are no longer on And frankly, on this road scholar trip, I, the group size is about 20, and I would say we are the youngest, wouldn't you? Just about. Well, one and of there's the, even though I'm heading home to have foot <laughs> surgery, I'm fitter than most of the people that are on this 
Um, but they're still here and they're still doing that's it. My, that's my point. They're still interested in what's going on in the world and they're they're out doing it. And one lady said to us, you know, uh, I've seen myself deteriorate and I know that I don't have much more time to do this kind of travel and so I'm doing as much of it as I can while I can. And that's uh, key as you get older. And I think that's true, you know, for any age. You, you, it just isn't for retired people. You can't waste time because you don't really have that much of it. When you're very young, you feel like you do, but... Yeah, that's the problem. And finally, the most important factor that contributes to your overall happiness and well-being is the ability to appreciate everything you have. Be thankful for your health, friends, and family, memorable experiences, the beauty that surrounds you, and the time you have to enjoy each of those gifts. Amen. And enjoy your wife. (laughs) And sweetheart. (laughs) Okay. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, that's the message for today. <laughs> it's the best we can do in our hotel room in Cuba. Well, I think we did a pretty good job. Just not a lot of RVs. So will we see you in a campground near us? Well, Probably not. The good thing is, is that we will be driving home, and one of our biggest problems was finding a place, place to put our motor home. Our usual parking lot has been in political turmoil and is about to be paved for the last three years, so we don't trust to live, leave our rig there and go on a month cruise and have it be in good shape when we get back. Right. So we are delighted to report that with the help of a good friend, Mike, that you've heard from a time or two, uh, we have a place to put our rig when we get home. And there it will sit until I have recovered from my surgical attack and can hit the road once again. But that means that we will be home for uh, a couple of weeks. And if you're in the Titusville area of TGO, we will be there for mid-March and then we head home. And then we will be headed on this uh, exciting new cruise for the month of April. So that kind of takes care of April, and then we'll see you back in May. But, of course, we will have another couple of episodes done from the far-flung corners of the Earth. So if you are in the far-flung corners of the Earth... If you're on our cruise ship, say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, that's happened, though. Yes, it has. We do want to hear from you, and please send us uh, emails and keep in touch. And And if you're a listener in Singapore, we'll be there for a few days, so you could say hi easily. And remember number two... Two, people come and go in your life, so it's important that you cultivate and maintain relationships, and we want to hear from you. <laughs> Happy travels. Happy travels.